1: Now that you've found UBN Radio and discovered our quality talk shows, it's time to spread the word to friends, family, and the universe. 24 hours of music and talk. Radio without limits. That's why people keep coming back for more. That's UBNRadio.com.
2: Welcome to Distill It with Richard Listens, I'm your host, Peter Sobey. We have a great, great show for you tonight. We're, a, we're speaking about the essence of being a sports fan. It's going to be fantastic. Lots to talk about. We do not have any guests tonight because between the four of us, there is much to discuss. So I will first introduce the... Amazing individuals from the Distillery Inc., Wendy and Era.
0: Hello. Hello.
2: And of course, our resident psychologist, sports psychologist, Richard Ullberger, PhD. <laughs> we are all in the house and ready to talk about being a sports fan. So First of all, though, it's been a, a really great and busy last couple of weeks for all four of us, and we're just going to talk about that really quick, because I do notice, Dr. Richard, that you are wearing a Stanford baseball hat.
1: Thank you for noticing,
2: Peter.: What's the deal with that?
1: Listen, uh, I had a privilege of going on a, a wonderful journey accompanying Peter Sobey, our wonderful host, uh, to Stanford University approximately 10 days ago, and it was uh, illuminating in so many ways, and uh, I just want to give tribute to the Stanford University folks who welcomed us, who uh, opened doors, who made meetings happen yesterday, and uh, who were willing to like have us on the sideline for sporting events. We were just being recruited left and right, so the least we could do was...
2: Yes, it was really, really amazing, and we're going to give a little bit more details into some of the interviews we had and preview some of the videos uh, that we took on the show, but I want to make sure that we do give a shout-out here on the top of the show to a lot of the people over there at Stanford that made the whole trip possible, starting with Dr. Kathleen Tarr. I was actually there because she put a symposium together for... um, It was diversity in the media, and I was representing disability in media and but she's also got a great story about being a female football player and she's going to actually be a guest on our show coming up on monday june 12th she's going to be in studio here in los angeles so a thank you to her and one of the first people we interviewed was dr russ carpenter there at stanford he's got a great story former offensive lineman turned neuroscientist doctor and fishery expert and then fly uh, fishing to fly be exact fly fishing right and uh, we had a couple of great interviews with a couple of the psychologists there Dr. Anna Lemke and Dr. Lisa Post and um and and Dr. Lisa Post is also the team clinician for the San Francisco 49ers so she's in there on the front line with the 49ers
1: 3 degrees of Terrell Owens. here we go <laughs> yes dealing with uh
2: dealing with any head issues they have going on there So that was great. And then finally, a special thanks to Alan George, who's the Director of Communications for Football and Men's Golf at Stanford, and Brian Rizzo, the Assistant Athletics Director, and of course, number 75, the big dog, Jordan Watkins, uh, defensive lineman for Stanford, who's you know NFL-bound man. Combine's coming up. So we got lots of great interviews with those people. We'll talk a little bit more about it at the end of the show, but... But thank you, Stanford University, for your hospitality, and we really look forward to sharing those interviews. So, um, and also, since the last time we all spoke, uh, Doctor Richard, you had the special Maccabees event. How did that go?
1: You know, I'm going to share about that in just one minute because I want to. I want to just take a moment about you know stuff we talk about as as a distillery in my practice, and Richard listens, and Peter and I in our journey, and and the unique thing about the way that the people at Stanford University hosted us. I just wanna focus, because we're always telling people, get out of your comfort zone, do something you've never done. And I think it's fair to call out when people live the talk, okay? Mm -hmm. And everyone who responded to an email set up a meeting for us that was open to discussing disability, diversity, um, what it means to be an athlete, what it means to be a serious student, what it means to be a family member, community member, and the people that opened up their office, even the the lovely uh, student um, people who work on campus as well, who opened up the media department to let us use their space. Sure. Every single person created an energy of welcomeness. And you know, we're going to get into some of the negative parts of of sports and fandom tonight. But um, I'm really amazed. And sitting next to Mr. Peter Sobe here, I, I mean, I hope he'll touch on it at some point in the show. But he was challenged. He was pushed uh, emotionally. And, yeah. uh, he was also made some pretty serious, uh, offers about taking it to the next level, his own professional game in terms of producing. And, and, and so sure. I was glad to be a witness to that as someone who supported me in making this show happen, all of us and gathering yeah. it and posting Absolutely. the graphics you see, yeah. inviting the guests, reaching out to everybody. So there's a lot of work that, uh, that Peter does. And I yeah. was, it was nice to see that returning, coming back and first, I was kind of like checking him. How's he going to receive this, this pressure? Yeah. Uh, but it, but it was, uh, you know, I hope he'll speak to it, and I'm interested to hear his experience more. But but uh, you know, I'm grateful that you invited me along, and uh, hope so now can... you
0: know that you we put putting you on spot, right? right. Yes, about totally. Five <laughs> minutes. So
3: yes, you <laughs> really no, now. Now, a, <laughs> prepared. now I'm
2: thinking about like, okay, what was all this Dr. Richard? Where was I when all this happened?
3: <laughs> and, and I do want to say. As rivals of our alma mater, USC... I'm glad they took good care of you because if they didn't, <laughs> we were coming for them. You have to know yes. it's hard enough sitting across the the table from you with your Stanford hat on when okay. we have the travelers very travelers offended. with us. Yes. very offended, very offended.
1: <laughs> Listen, even if you're from the opponent, how you know that you give them a, a place from the cold and you yeah. feed them, and then you yeah. take it out on the battlefield. There That's you right. go. And uh, Jordan Watkins, some of his interview told us as much, you know, about what it's like, you know, when people start taunting them and. You know, he's a class intellectual feller, but what's it like when someone is (laughs) going low? (laughs) uh, Yeah, absolutely. And
2: And speaking of rivals, we'll be on the UCLA campus at the end of this month. So that's going to be great. That's right. We're not partisan
1: to one team. I'll be wearing maybe Actually, a
2: tour of the sports facilities there, right, along with a speech. And if we have our way, we'll have a few good interviews with some great people in the athletics department there at UCLA.
1: Great plug. Great plug. But back to your question real quick. Yeah. Special Maccabees was a great success. Thank you. My, my dear friends here who showed up and surprised me. Uh, it means a lot when you're, when you're working hard on something and volunteering to have people show up and, and just support. Yeah. And there were teens that showed up and just were cheering. It made sure. it a real special event for the athletes. And hopefully uh, we've shared some, some photos on the Richard Listens page. Just yeah. These athletes getting their medals. Uh. and what it meant to them and the look in their eye and, yeah. and it was uh I'm I'm grateful to have been a part of it so thanks for mentioning Incredible.
2: That. I'm glad to hear that. And Wendy and Era we're just happy to have you in the studio tonight because you guys are mad busy right now.
0: We are. We're very happy to be <laughs> in yeah. the studio tonight.
2: <laughs> Trust me, <laughs> this is like how mad busy yeah, we are.
0: This is
3: like a little safe zone for us, right? Yeah. Look at yeah. everything that's going on. So, Wednesday and what, night. yes, Wednesday night.
0: Wednesday night, 6 to 9 p.m., the Beverly Wilshire um, Hotel, if you all yeah. ha- out there have nothing to do.
3: And we do but, have
2: a graphic, Jarvis, for this. The in, Fashion in, Setters those. Gala. Yeah. And it, we'll post it at the end as well.
3: FashionSetters.org. There it is. Now, uh, Aaron and I don't tend to do anything unless it has some sports related to it. And we're very excited to say that there will be five current NFL players walking the runway. And Terrell Owens will be there receiving uh, an award from the Gala Committee. So, if you don't like fashion but you like sports, you can still join us. There's still tickets available, yeah. and we'd love to have you.
1: And if and you like comedy, uh, oh, and Eddie I, Griffin. I, I, Eddie well, Griffin will not be even there. that. I think you've hired me uh, volunteer to be security for That's NFL. <laughs> true. So if you want to laugh, exactly. <laughs> if you want to laugh after the Eddie Griffin
3: set that he's going to do, famous comedian Eddie Griffin, yes.
2: And uh, we have the graphic up there, but for more information or tickets that are still available, yep. just go to www.fashionsetters.org. Yep.
0: Thank you for that.
2: And uh, get all the information. We'll post that, that graphic at the end of the show as well. Perfect. So uh, tonight's show, we're talking about fans. And speaking of fans, we have our, uh, our fans of the show the Seaville crew, Sean Miller and AJ Collier, are uh, <laughs> tuned in already. So a, we- a
3: week without them would be really devastating actually. I know.
2: <laughs> actually, it's too bad Sean's coming into town tomorrow from he lives in Ohio and he'll mm-hmm. be in town tomorrow. I was like, "Dang, if you got in today, you could have, you know, like sat Come with us. Sat around." We'll and... find a way. <laughs> yes, yeah, so welcome Sean and and AJ and it looks like my friend Peggy Dunn has checked in and we have a lot more eyeballs on too, but those are the only ones I could see right now. So if I'm not mentioning you, it's not because I'm being partial. It's just the names I see right now. But don't forget to go to www.facebook.com Richard Listens and, uh, and make a comment. So even if you're watching on UBN, maybe open up a new browser and go to the Richard Listens Facebook page, ask a question, make a comment. We'll. We'll totally check you out.
3: Hey, Peter, maybe people can uh, tell us who their favorite sports team is.
2: That would be awesome, yeah. So if you're out there, let us know your favorite sports teams and or if you have any great experience about being a fan, be it for a pro game, an amateur game, high school game, your kids game, anything like that. We're definitely, definitely interested in hearing that story. Yeah. So moving on to fans, and every show we also have to, you know, talked to Wendy about her new hat for the show. (laughs) So it's actually obvious to me like you've actually got a rival hat to me. I'm wearing a brand new Los Angeles Chargers hat and you have the Los Angeles Rams hat. That's right.
3: Go Rams.
2: So you are a Los Angeles Rams fan.
3: I am from childhood. It was devastating when they left the city um, because I went to games from the time I was about five or six years old. So you know, Pat Hayden, had my Pat Hayden poster in my room, and that dates me a little bit. But, yeah, I'm I'm a total Rams fan.
2: And that's great. That'll be a topic I think we might touch on a little bit later, too, is how when a team transitions to a new city, you know, how does that affect the fans and their fan base and support and stuff like that? So we will get into that later. Richard, you're wearing your Stanford hat, paying props to them. Like I said, I've got the L.A. Chargers hat because – I did want to get into that topic, and Era, your hat is new and interesting I for a am lot of us.
0: All decked out in the official gear for the Croatian national soccer team.
2: What's the team name? Well. The Croatian national <laughs> soccer <laughs> team. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> but I love it, and Thank you. like we said earlier, you know, like my family heritage is Montenegro, so yep. I've got to get some Labors. of the Montenegro team gear. Yeah, but I do love that because you know. In America, Wendy's got some numbers for us later, but soccer is like, what did you say, 3% of the f- of total fan sports in fans? the US? But right. if you go, but worldwide, you go worldwide, it's though, the number one. Yeah, yeah, number one across the board. Yeah. Yeah, no question. Although, once again, Wendy will be going into the details, but I think you said kids soccer is big because
3: Uh, major league soccer in the U S is the highest percentage of kids from two to 17 that are fans or that watch. So yeah, from a kid's perspective, it's, it's a big one.
2: Right. Which kind of bodes in the future in America. I think soccer is going to be getting bigger and bigger and bigger.
3: I have no doubt about that. And
2: AJ, he's a Chicago guy. So he's calling out for the bears, the Cubs, the Blackhawks. And of course, the Chicago Outlaws, everyone knows and loves the Chicago Outlaws, right? <laughs> Love hey, <crickets. laughs> Love them. Is that crickets? Cause... Soccer Actually, team? I'm thinking That's like
1: the Chicago Fire. I thought,
2: yeah, isn't yeah. well the fire? Is that an old soccer team? Oh boy, I'm wondering are the Outlaws like the Arena Football team? I should Maybe. know this, but Maybe. it kind of sounds arena-ish. I'm sure AJ will follow up and let <laughs> us know. So I think to get things started, Wendy also has a lot of great research and articles about being a sports fan. But since we touch on it, I think let's just go ahead and start with some of the facts, Wendy. Do you have those in front of you, like what the percentage of fans are and what makes up that base?
3: Yeah, I have a few. But before we do that, can I just share with you what the genesis of the idea for the show was? Absolutely. Because I think it's important to mention um, We were, Ara and I were talking about an incident that had happened overseas at a football match, and it was um, where one of the players was literally berated and bullied so so badly on the field, called many, many derogatory names, that he literally broke down and cried and had to be ushered off the field by his teammates because he was so uh, distraught by what he was hearing. And it... Brought up a, a question for Era and I about, you know, how does somebody cross that line? Really, how 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 is it? We're huge sports fans, and I can't imagine as as much as I love my Trojans, and as much as you know, when it's in the heat of the game, I against UCLA, I dislike the Bruins. Um, you know, I I don't think I would ever cross that line. So we wanted to talk about that in the show tonight, but I think to put it in perspective you know, fandom is a very big um, part of American life, also outside of America, but I'm going to focus on the U.S. because actually the numbers are easier to find um, because it's so vast around the world. Um, 60% of Americans polled in the last year claim to be avid sports fans. So that's quite that's a, a big hyper, number. It's a big number.
2: I would have guessed it was like would, my guess would have been 47%. That's 60. It's a big, big number.
3: It is. Um, and, and football is actually by far and away the most watched sport, the sport that fans connect to the most, the NFL, which I thought was very interesting. The difference is something like f- from 47% to 12%
2: for baseball. So are, Wait, are you, did, are you serious? Yeah. Foot, NFL is 47% and baseball is 12%? Yeah, and that's number two. And
3: that's number two. Wow. Yeah. So it's, you know, definitely uh, as Americans we are, you know, very connected to the NFL and, and as a sport. And uh, I wonder
1: how much of that shifted after the steroids era. Right. Well, and I can tell Mitchell you, for, yeah. baseball, you yeah, mean? for baseball. Yeah, for baseball, I mean oh. that was like America's religion for a long time.
3: Well, it's interesting because um, the number of sports pa- fans. Um, didn't drop in over the last 10 years by maybe a percentage point or, or just a little bit, and NFL has always been in the lead. So interestingly, um, most people who claim to be sports fans are between the ages of 35 and 55. Where you have some top and tail is, you know, PGA gets an older demographic, MS, MLS gets a younger demographic. Um, the percentage of women who are sports fans, interestingly, the highest percentage you find in NASCAR racing um, and after that, it's the PGA and the NFL. So, you know, we're we're starting to become more uh, equal in the the gender side of of the equation with who's watching sports.
2: Interesting though that you said the biggest sport for women is
3: NASCAR. NASCAR. Mm-hmm.
2: Hmm. That is interesting because it makes me wonder. You know, we kind of talked about this before, but. You know, there's a lot of psychology involved in tonight's show, and we've got a psychologist with us. But NASCAR is such, like, a, you know, the biggest fan base is, like, the Bible Belt. And so it makes me wonder, like, in those households where, you know, kind of like the Bible-run household where the man is the man and the woman falls in line, like, is that why they love NASCAR? or That's a good point. But you love NASCAR, right?
3: Well, I love sports race. I, I love okay. uh, racing. Racing. Car I, racing. I prefer Formula One to NASCAR, but I will watch NASCAR. Okay. I enjoy
2: it all. What do you think, Doctor Richard?
1: Hmm. <laughs> drop the drop the the sexist lead, and then ask for my. Yeah. <laughs>
3: That's
1: Very tricky. Um, well, and then we got two ladies for the counterpoint. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah, Richard, what did you <laughs> say?
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I I played the fifth. You know, I, I'm not really been from those areas of the country so it's always been a bit of a mystical thing for me the the whole nascar phenomenon um but um i do think there's something to that uh having gone to school down in the south that there's something to it being a family event i'm not sure what um you know if they love to race cars and have open road and uh that kind of a thing um or the kind of Beer drinking culture, uh, but it seems like something where you can take your kids for a whole day and um, you know, and family event. But it could be it could be that it's you know, male dominated a little bit place to get rowdy as well. Very so, diplomatic answer. Yeah. <laughs> but
2: very diplomatic. What about what about you, Wendy and Arrow?
3: You know, I don't know. I, I from a woman's perspective, I got to tell you, I always love sports. I think you you love the sports you grow up around and you know nascar is big in the south and so it might just be your father watched it so you watched it you know why was i a big football fan it's because every sunday during football season that's how i was going to spend the sunday with my dad mostly so i don't know i don't i I don't know it's an interesting theory but i'm not sure yeah i agree
1: but there's been a little bit of a shift right i'm not sure how much with danica patrick and more females getting into the sport that that, you know, maybe when you see someone out there like you, um, you identify, you with identify. Them so I'm sure that's a conscious marketing technique by, yeah. the, by, you know,
3: but also the next sport after that is only two percentage points off from 37% to 35% and it's NFL you don't have many, you know, female players in the NFL. So I don't know if, but I, I agree with you by the way, I think that Danica Patrick, Inspires a lot of women. I'm just saying. I don't. Right. I wonder if it's it has that big of an impact.
2: There goes that theory, Doctor. <laughs> <Richard. laughs> <See>? Sorry. <laughs> See? <laughs> Trump me up to shoot me down. <laughs>
3: but I, I did want to add one more bit of information, and I think that this is really important in, in any discussion. That um, fandom in the world, but for sure in the U.S., because the NFL happens to be one of the richest after I think soccer. Um, sports industries. Fandom is huge, big business. I mean, billions and billions. I mean, you can see by the paraphernalia that we have sitting here, we've all spent money on, you know, our logo shirts and hats and things like that. And also from a a beer sales perspective, which we can talk about in a few minutes about how alcohol affects fandom, um, sometimes the negative, it's a commercial business that, you know, drives drives industry large and small. So um, there's an incentive to keep fandom going from a business perspective. Absolutely.
2: A lot of people forget that TV, television was invented to sell products. You know, it's like, that's why they started having TV shows because they could sell products. And I'm sure that when sports started, it was for sport. But once they found out that the sales of merchandise far eclipsed any sort of ticket ticket sales sales or anything like that. The business of fandom is a business. Yeah. Almost like first and foremost, but we love it. We eat it up. Totally.
3: I, I mean, it's, there's no question it, it runs really deep and that's why we, we really wanted to talk about it because it can run deep to the, to the positive. I read some articles about the, there's so many positive things about associating yourself with a, with a team. You know, there's a sense of community. There's a sense of tradition and legacy, yeah. you know, shared family time. There's so many amazing things about being a fan. But on the flip side, you know, it can go the wrong way. So it's, it, it's such a deep emotional, which is why I, I'm so happy that Richard is always here. But, I mean, especially for this topic, it's such a deeply emotional thing. I mean, Peter, you were saying about how you get extraordinarily depressed when the, when the Cubs right. don't
2: win. Yeah, I mean, obviously the last couple of years have been good, but even on the good years, like on a daily basis, like the Cubs score almost dictates my attitude. If I see that they've lost, like I feel depressed the rest of the day. Like That's I've so gotta, interesting. You know, but days that they win, I'm on top of the world. And yeah. I want to get business done and I want to – you know, embrace love and everything, you know. But when they lose, it's like close my door and try and find a way to get distracted to stop thinking about the Cubs loss.
3: I want to make sure A.J. addresses that in his comments. But before he <laughs> I'm does... I'm sure he will. No, but I'm curious, Richard. Like, I, I mean, as a fan, I love my teams. But, you know, I can't say I'm as... Ex- I'm not, this is no critique, but extreme as Peter where I, it rules my day. Why? Why do people get so emotionally driven by their
1: teams I'm going to answer you not in the way you want me to answer you <laughs> that's beautiful <laughs> you know you're as, you're, uh, as you're, you're talking feel
3: free to beat him up afterwards I okay? will she likes I it I will
1: she's, she's, <laughs> an angry laugh. She's, I'm making yeah, notes the, the, <laughs> the, are, the, are the fists clenched I can't see so you know the thing is as you're talking about that experience of, of fandom yeah. I started to think about you know my inner fandom and I started thinking about like you know, we used to turn the radio up and the TV down. You know, it's like I got passed on this old school fandom. You know, the stories of my father watching the then New York Giants at the Polo Grounds from a rooftop, possibly out of, like, poverty, you know, boredom and connection, you know, and the loss of the team then, like, yeah. leaving New York and what that did to them as as teens, you know. So, you know, you, these these stories of, like, this... Deep connection as a as a kid to belonging to the team and um, the thing that your friends could do to be more have a purpose or a place to go and excitement. Like yeah. just climb to the top of that building to go right. Maybe mm-hmm. we'll see some of the game. Uh, you know, or to be around, you know, my father and his friends as they turned the radio up. And, and I think it was Bob Shepard, who was the Yankees announcer as well, if I'm correct, uh, was the New York Giants announcer, play by play. And it was like your great grandfather. I mean, you went to the game yeah. and you'd be freezing and he'd be like, you know, first down, ba-ba, you know? And it's like, <laughs> and it was like, you know, you just wanted to hear that voice. So there's something very. Um, yeah, deep and connective about the experience of connecting to these figures, even the ones that represent the team, even symbolically, like I'm sure it was like for Dodgers fans and, and Vince Scully about just sure, hearing sure. the play-by-play. Yeah. You know? Love
3: it. I would watch, I would rather listen to Vince Scully on the radio than Absolutely. watch it on TV. Yeah.
1: yeah, but, you know, I think to answer your question in a roundabout way, so that's some of my own experience. and And I will – it doesn't take people asking me very few questions about – You know, here I am out here fifteen years and why do I love the New York Giants? And and you know, yes, I suited up versus my friends in high school and middle school and they were the Jets and we were the Giants and some great battles ensued. But but I tie it to like getting on a bus in New York City, going with my father in the freezing cold, sitting next to complete strangers needing to huddle up. Right. having to figure out how to cross the tunnel without the wind knocking you 15 yards one direction. Yeah. You know, and that kind of a survival experience of like we roughed it to be there as a witness.
0: Yeah.
1: For our team. And and you suffer with them and you win with them sure. and depending on your culture, yeah. you have a little bit of both, but it's as if you've been along the journey with them uh over time and um just creates a profound sense of belonging, a sense that, yeah, that your your, your family is not, it uh, doesn't stop at your four walls of your home. Right. Um, and when your team has success, it doesn't matter what's going on in your family. Uh, you know, you can, in New York, in you know, you can get on the train and it's like you're opening the paper and people are talking and and it creates this culture of socialization, at least amongst men. It gives you, you know anybody who's a Giants fan instantaneously I think I'm accepted
3: Mm, so an acceptance Acceptance, factor acceptance sure that's a big one
1: you are not your family's socioeconomic status you are not uh, your own personal or your familial depression or anxiety sure or conflict between your parents or your grades at school at the time I mean you have something that is yours Uh, when you talk about having things on the wall I mean it's really like the first symbols you see in your identity daily, it's a reminder. Um, so I think that that sense of group connection it is almost a, a spiritual experience for a lot of people, and it's easy to see how that can become this like, without exposure to other things, can almost become this like fanatical um, because you need it to be so, and it becomes a place where you're it's okay to let out your anger, your pain. Right. And, uh, you know, when we get into the alcohol, that kind of loosens it up. And so it gets directed towards the other team. It gives a place for it to go.
0: Uh, I think And that's sometimes a- not just the other team. Sometimes your very own team.
1: Oh, right. Yeah, how do we make oh, that so Oh, yeah. If problem? somebody right. else tells you, sir, please calm down. Sure. I've been at Dodger games uh, with my own kids and just yeah. couldn't believe the language. Yeah. You know, and you're afraid if you ask nicely in this day and age, even just to, to temper the language, that, uh, yeah, people are looking for a way to, to release that. Sure. Up frustration well
3: I actually think that's a really really interesting point because it, it in a way it's like if you can't if you can't express your feelings to your spouse or your parent or your it's a it's a it's a way to channel that energy a way to get out emotions that maybe you you don't have an outlet for or you don't feel comfortable as an outlet it almost makes it okay to cry like I've been in a stand I'll, I'll never forget I was in um, at a uh, Six Nations uh, rugby game, I don't know if you have any anybody has heard of the Six Nations, but it's a very famous tournament amongst um, six European countries for rugby, and it's a big deal. And um, England was playing Wales. We were in Cardiff, and Wales had not beat England in, in uh, probably a hundred years, or some. So it, it felt like that way to people. And I sat behind a group of uh, men who were probably in their mid-50s. Literally, when Wales won, which was shocking everybody, they were bawling. Like, you might have thought they were at a funeral, actually. They were crying so hard that their team won. I I, I was a little bit, even as a sports fan, I was taken aback because I was like, my God, you know, okay, it's still just a game. But, I mean, they were embracing each other and... You know, it was really big. So I, I find it to be really fascinating that that is almost like an, an acceptable emotional outlet. Like you can cry in front of your mates if your team wins or loses, where you can't do that if, God forbid, something happens in your life that's stressful or you know, right like anxiety if, yeah, producing
2: if you like broke up with your lady you wouldn't go crying to your mates sure. oh, exactly you a big baby exactly yeah.
3: but if your if your team wins or loses it's absolutely acceptable to do that
1: oh the beauty and maybe what's inspiring kids to like more and more soccer is i mean with the now with the cameras the close-ups in the world cup of showing yeah. the people that i mean how far they must have traveled and how much it's almost like a religious journey to Jerusalem or or Mecca Damn. i mean people have saved up people are there they are in their colors. They have taken time to. <laughs> yes, <laughs> we take yes. time. We take time. We take time there's, to do this. There is their colorful makeup, and yeah. it is like you can see the pain and yeah. the and the joy um, that's being exuded by it collectively. Yeah. I mean, um, but there's also the cheering. Sorry, uh, supporting. Yes. Yeah, so I was many... going to
2: say, speaking of taking time, I just wanted to take time to welcome a few more of our watchers welcome kelly christopher hellerman is tuned in she is actually she was my occupational therapist when i was first injured so she helped Uh me like learn daily living skills and now we're friends all these years later welcome
1: and now he's on the precipice
2: and uh another one of my friends lori Storty Hankey, is with us and lisa bocanegra is with us so come on people where's all your fans
0: yeah, where are our friends? Yeah, that's what I'm wondering. Like, <laughs> maybe it's those eyeballs. Do we have friends? Is that it? Are we here? We're, it? It? This we're is it. It. yeah.
2: But, um, but a, a couple of, of quick, interesting things. Lisa Bocanegra says that one of her favorite memories was they had, gotten, they had won tickets from Blockbuster for a Chicago Bulls game, but they were yeah. up in the nosebleed section, and a kind gentleman next to them let her kids use his binoculars to watch most of the game. And that's cool that that's kind of like one of her fond memories of being at a game and was the kindness of a stranger like that. And, um, and getting back to just kind of wrapping out the stats of fans, we have found out from AJ that the Chicago Outlaws are a semi-pro box lacrosse team <laughs> that plays in the Continental okay. Indoor Lacrosse League. And, I cannot believe we did not know that. And he's their head coach. Oh, wow. yeah. love it hey. love it go so aj sorry <laughs> go chicago outlaws so our biggest fan and we let him down by uh, not knowing terrible. he was him <laughs> He's us. That's send cool. us some fan gear we'll yeah. wear it next time make up for it yeah totally we'll wear chicago outlaws gear <laughs> <laughs> and he also mentioned that you know his fondest childhood memories involve attending and watching games with his pop and his family yeah. and um and you know that growing up on sunday was for Church, football, family, and food—not always in that order. Yeah. Yeah. Wow!
3: Now you mentioned one thing; I'll, I'll say another very interesting. So, share interesting. with us
1: your favorite fan story when you were a kid, please. if, yes, you're, if you're listening,
2: definitely. Yeah. Oh.
3: Um, there was also another interesting stat that I read that um, they've done some studies to look at the incidence of cardiac arrest after <laughs> major games. I kid you not. <laughs> and and they and one of the the studies cited the um, the 1980. Um, Super Bowl game against the LA Rams and the Pittsburgh Steelers that I actually happen to have been at. And they said that the incidence of cardiac arrest after that game, after the Rams lost, although it was still a really good game, um, was higher than at that same period of time of the year any other time. So there's actually, fans can really... I mean, hurt themselves yeah. physically, like it.: And, and the I
1: mean, opposite, I think the central um, premise behind "This is Us," the new TV show, is that oh, uh, it's an amazing show.: I That the couple has restroom. Yes. fun times yes. after the victory. Yeah. There you go. And but they, oh, interesting.
3: but they did say, conversely, in cities where the teams win, right. mm-hmm. the cardiac arrest levels go down. Right. So it's it's amazing again how much sports impacts us, both mentally and physically. That it's such a, it's so core to who we are, to who many of us are. Not everybody's a sports fan, of I course. I want to know right. how
2: many babies are going to be born in Chicago say, in July. I exactly. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's got to be stats about that. Like, yeah, like yeah, in absolutely. July, all the Chicago babies. And then, what, in October, all the Boston babies. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, yeah, like combining the thought of sex in the bathroom after a victory, and <laughs> yeah, and look at
1: the Patriots have won several Super Bowls, so those are large hit. families now, well right. they do don't they normally
3: it's like um they always do a little segment of, about do. babies born after the yeah. Super Bowl, yeah. yeah, I can't remember when they show it if it's at the beginning of the season or whatever, but you know there's always a you know a number of babies that are born post super Bowl, so yeah,
2: I wonder if anyone out there has a story of their parents telling them they were conceived after a sporting victory <laughs> or if your kid was conceived after a sporting victory that'd be really fascinating so so moving yeah, on moving obviously on. none we of us have that have oh, we will uh, not be discussing so, those details so let's, let's move on wendy you read a very interesting article can you uh talk about the book and author that was cited and some oh. of the things that were mentioned peter find the author for me so i say her name right the book oh, yes, is I called.
3: <laughs> the book is called Fanaticus, and it was written by a producer from ESPN after she experienced um, a very harsh um, rea- retaliative um, attack on her based on writing an article um, about Terrell Powers,
2: in, right? Uh, in uh, uh, in uh, prior, Ohio? prior, yeah, Terrell Prior. It's a uh, it just. Justine Gubar. Thank you. She's a ESPN Outside the Lions producer, and the book is Fanaticus, Mischief and Madness in the Modern Sports Fan.
3: And what sparked her researching and writing this book was this experience where these fans literally were um, sending her death threats because she happened to be visiting the city they were in, and um, a local radio station host Was so upset with what she did They actually (laughs) gave out her phone number And the hotel she was staying at And her email address And people were very abusive And she wanted to explore When fans go bad And and why they go bad Um, And it wasn't just in the U.S. She explored this um, culturally all over the world And found some very interesting um, uh, Information about Things like uh, Herd mentality you know, um, and this is something that we saw when we were talking about what sparked this conversation is all of a sudden you have a couple of people sh- shouting negative things to a player on the field and all it, it becomes a big, you know, everybody's doing it and it gets out of control or fighting or what happens when, you know, your favorite team wins um, a championship and then you tear down a city.
0: Right. <laughs> <And you're laughs> Which makes no after, sense. You're shocked afterwards at yeah. your own behavior. Yeah, you exactly. just would never have imagined that this is how you would. Process something like that,
3: and I don't understand it. I mean, I, honestly, I don't. I, we're huge sports fans. When you know, when our teams win, we don't want to actually destroy things. Like we, we're no, very and that's, excited that's, about that's it. That's what's so.
0: fascinating for me. I think because for me, it's always been being a fan of the game, of the sport, you know, and even, even both in terms of growing up and hearing what I heard from my parents, my family, those around me, it was always learning the game and learning what principles the game was going to teach me. And even now when I sit and watch sporting events with my kids, it's always about reminding them of what these these sports teach you, the, the discipline, the endurance, the being smart, the taking the time to take the right shot, to wait for the right shot. It, and, yes, of course, I think anyone that knows me knows I I. I my team is on the field or on the court. I, I am very much there. This is my team and I am invested 100%. Um, but I, I never hate the other team. Yeah. You know, and I, I've been at those events when my team has lost big time in USC, University of Texas over a decade ago. Still have a goddamn being of that Being one. at the Rose Bowl, heartbroken. But in the thick of it, feeling so much gratitude for being able to have witnessed such an incredible game that the, the sporting event itself was so much more important for me than whether or not USC won, you know. And so I'm always fascinated by how it is that any of us can make that switch, that it somehow becomes about hating someone or something more than it is about appreciating the, the sport that you're actually able to witness at that moment.
2: That's an interesting dynamic. Dr. Richard?
1: A couple of things come to mind. You know, it's like Social Psych 101, they teach a couple couple of concepts you know one is you know like the bystander effect which is like people will, will walk by atrocities sure. going on let alone you know when their team is one yeah. that we will justify and not respond to some things that we probably should as human human beings because mm-hmm. we feel hey it's somebody else's job right so you know some of that is just kind of human nature but we should uh, be curious about that in ourselves and, and, and how we would act in the worst-case scenarios, even involving our own kids and sports teams, yeah. about what will happen when you walk by and somebody from the losing team says something really nasty and insulting. It, sure. it, is, it is an interesting moment, and, and I had one of those moments a few weeks ago in Riverside, and I knew the kids were upset. I knew they were hurt. I'm sure they were disappointed. Uh, but it's not always to keep – you know, it's not always easy – to keep that when somebody is kind of getting into your personal space and yeah. challenging you. You know, the other thing is uh, this de-individuation. I mean, they done all these studies, you know, at Stanford and the Zimbardo prison effect and things where people, you know, play this, will get into a role and play a role to the point of causing harm to other people. Yeah, You know, they'll, they'll administer electroshocks if they believe you have authority and you're telling them you should elect, you know shock a random person for no good reason sure so you know especially so if we're giving authority to the nfl players we're giving authority to people wearing the jersey and we see them behaving a certain way yeah we may be likely just to follow in why because it's it's we're not thinking yeah we've yeah. tuned it off we are so into that identity yeah or what we think is the excitement that it's just an out of control expression to the point of destruction
3: um yeah it, it, she was it was interesting just the the little bits i was able to read so far you know she was saying that it, it it it's sometimes people don't even realize they've like they've gone there you know like all of a sudden they find themselves swept up in the in the moment and all of a sudden they're they're the crazy fans that are beating each other up you know yeah, well and, it's
1: also you know when does it mm, stop you know yeah. going to school at university of florida and having been in a fraternity and like, other fraternities had mascots or statues, and, like, somehow it was, like, a cool thing for your pledges or initiates to go and uh, either, I guess, try and steal the mascot. Right. Or it would be, like, a kind of a practical joke, um, kind of a game, and it's kind of a story you remember and a rivalry, but then it can also be incredibly, like, you defacing property. Yeah. Well. You know? Uh so you know or yeah
2: i would love to know if there's ever been a court case where someone's hurt someone or destroyed property after a big sporting event and that their defense was i wasn't in my mind like you know like if, if everyone if anyone has ever used that as a as a defense like oh my client was not in the right state of mind he was in a herd mentality yeah, Et cetera. That'd be interesting. Any well, there's there's a lot of out work out there. Know there? Know that? Yeah,
1: that's a good question. But I mean, there's a lot. I was really when I went to um, ATAP, which is a yearly threat assessment professional conference down in Anaheim. It's nice that they host it right at the Disneyland Hotel, so you can
3: <laughs> take your family <laughs> talk and talk about how to like <laughs> how to Jedi mind trick
1: somebody, <laughs> yeah. and then you know go ride a few rides to de stress. But they had a mob psychologist there and concepts about how people behave in, you know, like the mob mentality sure. in, in rock concerts and punk rock and why there have been these,
2: or the hooligans, all the soccer fans exactly. in England.
1: And people have, you know, people die at these, at these concerts yeah, and, yeah. and and people will literally like leave them there. You know, they, you know, so there's this mentality of just like, you're so into the experience that you lose the sense that normal your normal sensitive self. Maybe if you saw someone falling to the ground or appearing faint uh, or getting crushed, um, it's hard to get graphic, but that, you know, you're just, your filters are off and you're in your right. experience. And, and because of the reasons we mentioned earlier, where you're getting all this positive uh, identity and, and adrenaline.
3: Well, and, and also like you were saying before, because it's a it's a channel for maybe pent up emotions that you haven't been able to release anyplace else. Right. So kind of it's a, like a wave.
2: Yeah, and uh, a couple more check ins, really quick. Once again, these are just eyeballs that I can see. The name we got lots of eyeballs, but Art Gracia, another uh, childhood friend, Carpentersville, representing Sean Miller, <laughs> AJ Collier, Art Gracia, and also. Another one of our bi-weekly fans every week, Mr. Mike Swimney. <laughs> and uh, he first of all, he said hooks. And then he came back and said, Davey even says hook'em.
3: Hook'em horns. So explain,
2: <laughs> explain this to us because I'm lost on that reference.
3: That would be the University of Texas. Longhorns. Oh, Hook'em okay. horns. There's the not battle because I'm also a Longhorn fan after... Of course, Trojans, but uh, that's a constant battle in our household—not battle, but friendly battle. So we have this symbol. Oh, interesting. David does fight on and hook them horns all at the same time.
2: And so our scholar and box lacrosse head coach AJ Collier has said that there was a father and son that ran onto the field at a White Sox game and attacked a coach. And they tried to use the defense that they were... Is that right? ...that they were not in their right minds. Sure.
3: I'm sure it's happened many times. Um, Another thing that um, was talked about in the book was the fact that alcohol plays a big role. Um, And again, we were talking about consumerism before. You know, one of the biggest drivers of revenue in any stadium is beer. And so... um, you know, it, there are, of course, regulations about how much and when they stop selling and all of that. But, you know, we've all been there. We've seen people down, what, eight pints of beer yeah. in a single sitting, and it's bound to have some effect on on your filter or whether or not you're going to actually, you know, go one way or another in terms of, of how you're fandom is expressing itself yeah, on any it's given your day. Your
1: limbic system, I mean your, your, your thought process, your executive functioning is being shut down literally yeah. so you're not thinking and if somebody does something you don't like or you know it's very much you know people have made the comparisons football's a little bit gladiator-esque I mean it's definitely about um, you know releasing all that tension and, and, and connecting with what other people are doing that maybe you don't even permit yourself to do. You can't just randomly go up to your boss and tackle them, right, without a serious consequence, (laughs) right? But if number 56 does it, (laughs) he's your hero. Yeah. You know, and I remember that feeling, you know. Giant's defense was like, gee, you know, nothing, nothing, you know, can defeat us. Nobody can move against us. Right. Very powerful feeling.
2: There's so many aspects to fandom to talk about. And there's one more I want to bring up. We have about only eight minutes left right, to the hey. show, believe it or not and And we do have a few things we want to wrap up with. But another point that the book made that I thought was wildly fascinating that you pointed out, Wendy, that's worth talking about before we wrap up is the uh the idea of entitlement, yeah, if you're a fan that's really fascinating. What was mentioned? <laughs>
3: So the prices of tickets nowadays are so high that um, she found that people had a certain uh, level of entitlement because they're spending quite a bit of money to to purchase their tickets. And so that level of entitlement is kind of like, you know, I can do whatever I want to do because I'm paying, you know, $40,000 a year for my seats, even... Even the, you know, nosebleed seats are, are not inexpensive anymore. So I I would have never made the connection sure. between that, you know. Or, so I was fascinated by that comment.
1: Yeah. And I'm sure that's going from, from youth sports all on up. I mean, it ties in our topic from last week. I think I mentioned the book, Until It Hurts. It's talking about, you know, parental entitlement, that you're investing so much now. Mm, Parents yeah. are investing. Yeah. Forty to a hundred thousand dollars in special academies. So when they get to the field, they have literally invested. I mean, they are they are tired. They have, they have been driving the kids back and forth, you know, hour and a half each way to practice several nights a week. So that tension from all that pressure, yeah. and some college coaches are even you know talking about that first meeting with a parent where they're like, well, you know, we'd like that scholarship because we're about you know eighty thousand in and. We yeah, we want to return on yeah, our investment. That's it. Yeah. So there is this yeah. kind of mutual fund mentality, and I'm sure it's like that when you go to a Duke North Carolina basketball game. It's kind of like, you know, we're, we're playing a pretty penny for our kids to be here, sure. and maybe we went to school here, and it's like, yeah, we we want, you know, we but, want to win that game.
3: But I understand that when you're a parent and you've invested the money, but I mean, you buy a seat. Like, if you're lucky, you can afford it. I know I, it's frustrating. It's very, very expensive. And it's kind of, you know, cut a lot of hardcore fans out of the ability to buy seats. So right. I find it fascinating. You know, it's not like you're, okay, it's your kid and you've invested. It's almost you like feel a step like or you have an ownership. You yeah, do feel like yeah, you have ownership
1: because yeah. you've spent $500 to $1,000 of your hard-earned money. I mean, the ratios of what some people's paycheck, that is. So why go? You know?
0: You know? That's the thing. I mean, why go? Why do it?
2: Did you want to be there?
0: I I remember, you know, having a coach tell me very early on, he says, you know, when you go, when you attend these events, you have to remember each person down there has a job to do, you know, if you aren't going to add value and let them do their job, why go, you know?
2: Well, I don't, I don't know if the average fan thinks of it like that. That's interesting. Right. I'm also curious of all of your opinions, like, does that entitlement go the other way as well? Like, there's a lot of fans that A, can't afford tickets. Yeah. So, and it does box them out of being able to go to games. But let's say there is like the dad that's able to afford the nosebleed tickets. It also kind of brings up maybe a little classism because maybe, you know, the people in the good seats are like, oh, I'm better than them because I paid so much more money for my tickets. Whereas the Hmm. people in the upper deck are like, hey, we paid for our tickets just like you. I don't care that there was a big price difference. What do you think on that concept, Dr. Richard?
1: There's definitely classism and fandom. I mean, having sat in the upper deck in Dodger Stadium, I mean, yeah, there's some, you know you know again i sit in the upper deck so you know but uh you definitely feel that there's some maybe some more suffering going on outwardly up there and whereas there could be a little bit more of a hollywood mentality down people just want to be seen at the game maybe they don't really love the game but people have season tickets so there's a different energy you may Mm -hmm. get some of the more real fans and more knowledgeable fans in the upper deck but there can be this kind of you know uh anger right you got to park farther um, you're sitting yeah. further from the game and, um, and that may even excuse more of the drinking like, Hey, we're sure. not going to be close up. So we might as well pre party in the truck beforehand. And, um,
3: and, and by the way, we haven't, we don't have time, but another thing that we haven't even touched on is tailgating because, Oh my God, Oh my yes. goodness, that has,
2: That's huge. Added
3: a whole new kind of... um, It's a culture. It's a culture, but also because it's a culture, you get the same things that happen even in the tailgate parties where you mix the alcohol and the the rivalries because many of the tailgates, I don't know if you've seen one recently. I was shocked. I I hadn't... (laughs) actually been to a game in a while, and we went to the Rams game, and I mean, there were people with five television sets hooked up to generators, and they were watching <laughs> all of the games, and and they didn't even go into the stadium, wow. but they were like, it was hardcore going on yeah. out there, and so you have rivalries going on in the parking lot, and it's a whole other culture yeah. that is...
1: And don't forget that sensory experience, right? Hearing the roar of the crowd. Sure. The smells of the pretzels and hot dogs and... And the know.
3: investment that tailgaters make. Like, you know, we're talking yeah. about entire, like Air saying, why go? I, I'm kind of the same way. I could, I could watch it at home and you know...
1: But it's also status. If you tell me you got the RV with the Red Zone channel <laughs> on and you're right. going to be... Mike's famous barbecue you're going to be in the parking lot yeah. and I can get to be near you, it's like... It's status. You're cool. Yeah, you are. You are the king and queen of campus. I want to be close to you. Even if so, if my group of friends, we can't afford tickets, but we can at least. Oh, we got to find
3: some tailgaters to come in and talk to us (laughs) because it is just fascinating. And there's a whole
2: culinary world of the tailgaters. Sure, they
3: did a whole top uh, not top chef a whole chopped. Yeah, chopped with uh, tailgaters.
2: tailgaters. Yeah, Yeah, I'm a big (laughs) chop fan. Yeah, I saw that.
0: Yeah. Okay, another show. Yes,
2: we only have about three and (laughs) and a half minutes left. But one thing, when you did mention Hollywood fan. That drives me nuts is I'm a Chicago Cubs fan. You go to Wrigley Field, everyone's there before the first pitch, and everyone's there till the last pitch at the bottom of the ninth or top of the ninth, mm-hmm. hopefully.
0: But and you're it, shocked in, we don't do that here in LA. Yeah,
2: in LA, it's like <laughs> no one gets here till the third inning, and they leave after the seventh. has got to be traffic, crazy. traffic, yeah. traffic. Yeah, gotta
0: yeah. be traffic. But it drives. Gotta me get nuts. out of that parking
3: lot. There's no public transportation here that really works effectively for right. sports fans, except yeah. you know what? Actually, Coliseum is doing pretty well, so.
2: Yeah, now we'll see how, is it the Carson Center for the Chargers, how they do with, they're kind of right there in Inglewood, so they should do really good with public transportation. Carson's think, right? farther south. They're like, going to be oh, down Oh, right, I'm thinking the of the forum, right.
1: I just love it when the Knicks come to town because all the New Yorkers come out of hiding and the ticket prices go up. They they know that we're waiting to show our New Yorkness in the parking right, lot. You know, it's right. like, oh, I didn't know you were from New York. We've worked together for four years, you know. I love it.
2: So, so anyway, so much more we could talk about. We only have a couple of minutes. We kind of talked a lot a lot about our stanford adventure <clears throat> but i want to make sure that we spend a moment to mention that you had spoke about your son's soccer team and
1: and real quick good luck garrison reese chase tomorrow yeah. Night. Yeah. 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 night will be the filming so get so ready right. pull form. yes but, and
2: that's the filming so it'll probably air like in another july. Month or two. no or? he said it was like june or july okay yeah. You know, so, yes, go Garrison. And then, yeah, Richard mentioned your congratulations to Mikey, right?
1: Yes, my own vicarious journey through parenting and, and youth soccer and pretty amazing experience. Most of you have seen it. That uh, team has been together four years and been losing the same opponent for four years and taking it like a champ. Uh, One uh, a week ago in Riverside. And I guess, I mean, It technically was Southern California, but since there's no California teams left, I think they're technically kings of California. Nice. And they'll be going uh, March 25th to play in Carson City, Nevada, and the Western States Championship. So great. So it is...
2: And if you could put that graphic up there again, Jarvis, our amazing engineer.
1: Thank you. We
2: have the team picture there, and... They are trying to raise funds because not everyone on the team can afford a trip to Reno, Nevada. It's going to take a lot. So, you
1: no, know, some of these kids, the parents have yet to been to a game. Um, and, uh, you know, I know you guys have important causes out there. There's important things in the world, but even uh, small bits, they're matching the money. So, it'll help pay for a nice van to get them there, the eight hour journey. In a,
2: so, we have the email address right yeah. there on screen. It's AYSO78Fundraiser at gmail.com is PayPal. the email address you use to PayPal any little contribution, and it's all matched. So it's going to be amazing for that group of kids. Congratulations again. Thank you. Yep. I'll be
1: sharing about it from the road.
2: And one more plug. If you can get the logo or, or the uh, Jarvis, the uh, fashion setters up there one more time, just uh, give us a quick little thing, Wendy and Era, about the big event Wednesday night.
0: Wednesday night, Beverly Wilshire Hotel, 6 to 9 p.m., fashionsetters.org
2: for tickets. Amazing. Can't wait to hear about that in our next show. And there's going to be a lot to talk about. That's going to be a really great thing yep. to talk about. So, I want to thank everyone for tuning in and for all our contributors, for the Seaville crew who joined us again. In the in Come the, on, friends of ours. Peter's <laughs> crushing us here. <laughs> and um, we will be back live two weeks from tonight on Monday, March 20th. And thank you again. Make sure to to uh, If you can contribute to Richard's son's team, great. Contribute to the fashionsetters.org event, great. And be looking on the Richard Listens Facebook page, and we'll be posting more information and the interviews from our Stanford trip. So you can kind of get a handle on what that was all about. We want
1: to hear from you. We want to know topics you want to hear. We want yes. your input.
2: Yeah, so we do not accept crickets. So definitely in the <laughs> in the comments on the distillery page, on the Richard listens page, on the hopefully soon distill it Facebook page, get your act together, Peter. Uh, but definitely, thanks for watching and listening and contributing, and we'll see you in two weeks.
0: Thank you. Bye. Bye.